0: The well, holy father we come to you again today to uh open your word and see uh how it is uh, that you call us to make choices in our lives whether the foundational things that have to be there for us to make a good and holy choice. Father, today we're talking about making choices that call for boldness, that call for courage. And where does that courage come from? Father, we pray that as we open your word, as we hear your word, that your spirit will uh, fill us with that word and that we will take it with us and apply it in our lives. We pray this day for all those, Father, uh, in our uh, congregation, in our community who are uh, uh, faced with uh, challenges, Father, uh, be it of health or financial uh, uh, or relational. Father, we pray for them that uh, uh, they will turn to your word for the encouragement that they need and the healing that they need. Father, we pray for all those who in this uh, cold time of the year are sleeping in their cars or sleeping out in the woods. Uh, Father, I thank you that this congregation, yesterday we were uh, able to uh, put a family uh, up in a hotel. They had been in their uh, car sleeping for some nights and uh, did not have any, uh, any gas to keep the heat on. And so uh, we thank you, Lord, that because of the, uh, the hearts, the compassion of this congregation, uh, the heart of Jesus that is here, uh, and because of what your son has taught us in his example, that, Father, we're able to reach out and help families such as this. Father, we pray this day that in all things, in our worship, in our songs, in our prayers, in our study, that we would glorify you. And in all things, Father, we would lift up your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. And amen.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Would y'all please join me in the prayer for guidance. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your holy spirit that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with glad hearts what you say to us today. Amen. The scriptures today is 1 Samuel 14 6 through 15 and i'm reading from the good news bible which is an english version jonathan said to the young man let's cross over the camp of the heathen philistines maybe the lord will help us if he does nothing can keep him from giving us the victory no matter how few of us there are the young man answered wherever you want to do i am with you All right, Jonathan said, we will go across and let the Philistines see us. If they tell us to wait for them to come to us, then we will stay where we are. But if they say to us, go to them, then we will go, because that will be the sign that the Lord has given us victory over them. So they let the Philistines see them, and the Philistines said, Look, some Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have been hiding in. They, then they called out to the Jonathan and the young man, "Come on, come on up here. We have something to tell you." Jonathan said to the young man, "Follow me. The Lord has given Israel's victory over them." Jonathan climbed out of the out of the pass on his hands and knees, and the young man followed him. Jonathan attacked the Philistines and knocked them down, and the young man killed them. In the first slaughter, Jonathan and the young man killed about twenty men. In an area of about half an acre. All the Philistines in the countryside was terrified, and the raiders and the soldiers in the camp trembled with fear. The earth shook, and there was a great panic. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Thanks be to
0: God. Thank you, Jean. We are uh, going to be looking at. Uh, Primarily a story in uh, 1 Samuel uh, about a young man named Jonathan and his armor bearer. We're talking about uh, choices uh, this month, and and next month we'll be still looking at choices. And uh, as we uh, think about in life the way we make choices, sometimes when we're doing a series like this, it impacts my life because I spend a lot more time thinking about whatever the topic is. And thinking about how I make my choices. And for instance, I, I know yesterday, uh, you know, I was here, here at the church, and I saw I had a message, and so I called the family that I've mentioned earlier uh, back. You know, my first thing that, that Satan puts into my head is, man, you've got a long laundry list of things you still got to get done, and you're leaving for Richmond, and you don't really have time to deal with this right now. I was thinking about all the things I had to do. I was thinking about the basketball game I wanted to watch which was horrible. God, God punished me for that thought. Old Dominion was up with, by 18 with a minute 39. 99 seconds left in the game. 18 up. They lost by one. I've never seen anything like it. The other team hit like six three-pointers in a row. We couldn't hit a foul shot. They, it was horrible. So I said, God, I get the message. People are more important than the basketball game. I realize how easy, it, uh, you know, a lot of times I'm able to defeat those thoughts, but my first impulse somehow comes out of my sinful nature, and it says, you don't need to help these folks. And then we start to make excuses around the folks themselves. Why are they homeless? Why are they in need? Why do they, need? you know, we start. Saying, they're probably just, uh, just lazy. They're probably... All this stuff enters, I fight a battle. There's a spiritual battle inside. How do I make these choices? And then I'm doing this series on choices, and I'm sitting there feeling guilty uh, before I call the person back that has even been thinking about this. How can I get up and preach Sunday morning if I don't make a good choice here? So, and, you know, the whole thing probably took 15 minutes out of my day. You know, it's how easy I can take 15 minutes to sit and read a book or to look at the news or to watch a basketball game. So how do we make choices? In our what is the foundation of every choice? Uh, one of the things I thought today, as we talk about holy boldness, if we look in the Bible or, or we do stories of people who did incredible things, there's a, a story of a priest who who uh, uh, there was a family and they were going to be executed in a not, Nazi imprisonment camp. That's a true story. You know his his name's out there. Witnesses to this, and he offered uh, to exchange himself for the family. Uh, he went to the camp. He exchanged himself for the family, and they were spared. He had no children, no family, he said. And he said he was very calm the whole time about, about giving himself over for them. I mean, that is something that probably no one in this room is ever going to have to face, a choice like that, a faith choice like that. But there are a lot of choices in our lives where it still takes holy boldness. They may seem insignificant, but And they may make an eternal difference in someone's life because we had the courage that day to say no to Satan and to say yes to God. To say no to the temptation to just let other people lead their lives. I don't have to come in. I don't have to help. Somebody else can help them. And so uh, that's where I want, want us to be today, even though uh, our examples... may uh, may seem heroic, and we may say, well, I'm not a heroic person. My daily life is boring. I don't have all this stuff going on. But believe it or not, all of us, no matter how boring your life is, you can live your life with holy boldness, and you can do great things for the Lord. And other people may not see them. Other people may not think they're great. But for you, it's a great great achievement to do it. Going on, on a mission trip. Is a, is a big decision for a lot of people. I remember the first time I went, it was four days to Haiti, and I swore that I could not give up four days out of my business. My business would go under if I wasn't there those four days. It was the same on the walk to Emmaus, three days. Uh, and and uh, some of you may not know what that is, but it's a, it's a spiritual retreat. Nope, can't afford to do that. But when I went on the walk to Emmaus, when I went on the mission trip, it changed my life forever. And so uh, I ask you to think about that today as we talk about these choices and the foundations uh, for our life. And the, the number one foundation we've said is our choices should be based on faith. And in our story today, uh, I'm going to talk about Saul, the father of Jonathan. You see up there Jonathan and the armor bearer is who we're focused on. But Saul was the father. He was king. He was king of Israel for about 41 years. Uh, He sometimes was a good king, but he had a fatal weakness. He was a fearful man. Fears could overtake him to where his faith grew weak. And there are a number of times where he exhibits that fear, and his choices are based upon fear and not faith. And this is one of those examples. Uh, God has has, uh, given Saul's army great triumph. Uh, he's got three thousand men and two thousand are with him at this particular place called, uh, Michmash. This is in, uh, the 13th chapter of 1 Samuel. And, uh, uh, and then a thousand more were with his son Jonathan. The army was divided between the two generals, Saul and Jonathan. But the rest of the men had gone on back to their homes. And Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba, and the Philippines, uh, Phil, Philippines Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear. So all he, Israel heard the news that they had defeated the Philistines. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become obnoxious to the Philistines. The Philistines are mad and angry. So the Philistines assemble to fight Israel, and they come up with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand of the seashore. That's a lot of soldiers. At least, now I doubt they were as numerous as the sands of the seashore, but what the scripture, what the writer is telling us here, to Saul, they were as numerous as the sands of the seashore. He inflated this thing, you know, uh, maybe... Uh, uh, if you're a basketball coach or or, or volleyball coach, we got a couple sitting right here today. Maybe your team comes up and, and and they look over and they see this team, and physically they seem to just tower over you. Physically they seem to be superior to you, and you've got to convince your guys that this this do not let this get inflated in your head. Do not be intimidated by this. You can you can uh, stay with these folks. You can you can beat them. And then when you lose to them, well then no. Uh, you know, sometimes you beat them. Sometimes you beat them. But Saul had this whole thing where he, he would get this uh, uh, fear would begin to take in, and he forgot the promises of God which Samuel had given to him that he was going to be triumphant, that he would win these battles, and suddenly he's scared to death. And in fact, it says here, uh, when the Israelites saw what their situation was and their army was hard-pressed, it says that... Uh, that they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. The army went out and they started hiding. And even some of the Hebrews, some of the soldiers, crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. In other words, they went over into the Philistine territory because they didn't want to be with the, with the Hebrew army when it was defeated. So they, they became traitors. They went over to the enemy. So Saul remained at Gilgal and the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. Samuel had told him to wait there for seven days, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. Saul's men began to scatter, so he's starting to lose all his men. So he says, because Samuel's supposed to come, and he is supposed to offer sacrifices and and, and, and blessings upon the army before the battle, but he hasn't gotten there yet. So Saul decides to take things into his own hand, and he tells the people, he says, says, bring me what I need to make a burnt offering and, and fellowship offerings. And Saul offers up the burnt offering, and just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrives, and Saul goes out to greet him, and Samuel says, What have you done? He had been instructed that it was the Lord's will that he wait for Samuel to come, but he took the matters into his own hands. This is the other thing sometimes about the choices we make. We don't make them in faith. We think we know better than God, and we disobey him. We think this is a situation where uh you know last week I talked some about situation ethics where our ethics are based upon whatever the situation might be and whatever works out best for us and this is what Saul is thinking here I I I need to go ahead and make this even though I'm not a priest even though I'm not authorized to do this I'm going to do it I can't wait any longer his fear is overtaking him he's getting nervous he's start you know he's still shaking and he needs to do something sometimes we need to pull back from the temptation to always feel like we have to just do something. You ever, ever done that? You know? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing it. I just feel like I need to do something. And that's what Saul was doing. And in doing that, he, uh, he engendered the Lord's anger upon, upon himself and Samuel. And so here, here's where it gets interesting. So Saul has this great son, Jonathan. You know in the scriptures that Jonathan is a close friend of David, and uh, Jonathan really has no, uh, uh, rightfully, he, he's going to become the next king after Saul, but he he wants David eventually, this is another section, he wants David to be king. He's not greedy about this, he doesn't need to be king. And uh, anyways, Jonathan is this good guy, he's got this armor bearer with him, uh, and uh it says Saul and his son Jonathan and the men with them were staying in uh, Gilbea and Benjamin while the Philistines camped raiding parties came out from the Philistine camp in three detachments so it describes where those raiding parties went and Eventually, it says that they couldn't even find a blacksmith for the Hebrew army uh, in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said uh, that the Hebrews would make swords or spears. So they had taken all of the blacksmiths over into the Philistine lands. And so Israel doesn't even have any weapons anymore with which to fight. So on the day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul or Jonathan had a sword or spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had a weapon. Now, a detachment of Philistines had gone out to the pass at Mich-Mash. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Any of y'all ever do any, something and you didn't tell your parents? Yeah. When, you know, your parents had magical powers. Uh, they, they knew everything you did. That was what I believed. My dad would constantly tell me, son, there's nothing you do that I don't know about. There's nothing you hide away that I will not find. I thought of him like God. And sure enough, one day I'm driving back down, uh, uh, Colchester Road, Blackburn Road, and this, these, uh, really, it's a shortcut back to my house, very curvy, uh, and roads, and I'm coming back from church on a Sunday night, and I've just gotten my, my license. I don't know how fast I was going, but it was faster than my dad thought was right. Because sure enough, I didn't have the wisdom at that time to constantly look in the rearview mirror to see if there was a, a policeman or somebody following me. My dad followed me all the way home. And he clocked me, and he docked me. <laughs> that was, it, you know... He, he knew. So anyways, Jonathan doesn't tell his dad what he's going to do, probably because he knew his dad wouldn't go, go along with what he was going to do, because he knew his dad's choices were based on fear, and Jonathan had faith. You see, faith drives out fear. So he has his faith. And this is what he, this is what he uh, says to his young armor-bearer. He says, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised uncirc- men, the Philistines. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. No, no matter what the odds, nothing can stop God from saving those whom he wishes to save. And I think God is on our side today if we show faith. So let's go on over there and see what happens. And his armor bearer, another hero in the story, says, go ahead and do whatever you're thinking of, whatever's in your mind. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. And Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, in other words, uh, the Philistines are up on this high land, if they say, y'all just wait there and we'll come down to you, well, then we'll stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. If they invite us up into their camp... Well then, God has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. And look, said the Philistines, you know, the Philistines, are just uh, attitudes are just dripping with disdain. They're looking down on these Hebrews. These are the guys that hide. These are the fearful ones. These are the these are the, the people who 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 turn on their own people. So they said, uh, y'all y'all come on up to us. You know, they're cocky. They're not fearing them at all. So he said, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come on up to us and we will teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. <laughs> That's some, you know, he's already got it all figured out. You and me, we go up there into the camp, battle's won, Philistines are defeated, and all is well. Uh, I mean, he has that kind of faith to believe that. So Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with the armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area about half an acre. So we we know how big the little battlefield was there, half an acre, and he kills 20 men in there, he and that armor bearer. Well, what happens is the Philistines start to themselves show a little bit of fear. They're wondering what's going on. They're seeing this battle over there. They're seeing their men have been killed. And they're, and, and they're believing that the, that the Hebrews have somehow rallied a big army around them. And they're about to come down upon them. And so they turn and they all start running, the whole army. And then Saul's down there saying, what's that ruckus? What's going up? Who's missing? What's You know, I thought we were all here. And they, they do a little head count and they say, oh, Jonathan's gone. And so Saul... Goes into action, gets all the men, they go up and they and they have a great victory over the Philistines because Jonathan had the faith to go up and get things ignited, to get things started. Whereas his dad was down, according to the scriptures, sitting under a tree, quaking with fear. Fear is a terrible thing, so terrible that in the Bible there are literally hundreds of scriptures, times when God says to folks, or, or angels he sends say to folks, Say, do not be afraid. Genesis 15, 1. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. And then on through Genesis, I mean, I had, I had 140-some scriptures that I put down here that, I, uh, that contain the words, do not be afraid. Uh, Deuteronomy 3.2, the Lord said to me, Do not be afraid of him, for I have delivered him into your hands, along with his whole army and his land. Uh, This is what uh, God had said to to Saul. Do not be afraid. They are delivered into your hand. And yet Saul's faith failed him because his fear overtook him. And then you know in the Psalms, uh, the 23rd Psalm, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? Proverbs 3.25, Have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked. Isaiah 12.2, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. And then we go, of course, into the birth story of Jesus. Do not be afraid, Mary. And then do not be afraid, Joseph. Over and over in the scriptures, Jesus walks on the water. The disciples are scared to death. And Jesus says, What? Do not be afraid. It's me. And then what is the great and first gift of the Holy Spirit upon uh, the disciples? They are, they are up in a room in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, gathered up there, afraid of what's coming, what's going to happen. Jesus has been crucified. They know he has risen, he has appeared to them, but still they're unsure about what the future is bringing. All they know is that they were supposed to go into Jerusalem and they were supposed to wait. So they're up praying in this room. This is where prayer and action comes together. See, folks, it's, it's, it's a good thing to have prayer groups and all, but prayer groups should run out then and, and take action. God, prayer always leads to God asking us to do something, to be something, to change something. And so what happens on the day of Pentecost is the very first gift of the Holy Spirit that's exhibited, you might say, well, it's speaking in tongues, but actually it's boldness. It's the courage for them to go out of that room, into the public, and to begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the holy boldness of Peter to stand up and to deliver that Pentecost sermon, the first sermon of the church, and to say to this crowd that had crucified Jesus Christ, The same Jesus Christ whom you have crucified is Lord and Savior. And then it says, fear came upon the crowd, realizing what they had done. And they said, what shall we do? It says that they were pricked to the heart. And with boldness, Peter told them what to do. And then Peter, all through Acts, Peter, Paul, whoever it is who's doing the preaching, preaches with holy boldness. They stand before kings who are ready to kill them, and they proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of them along the way will give their lives for Jesus Christ. Stephen, the first martyr in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7, gives his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Holy boldness comes upon them. This holy boldness was a big thing with John Wesley and the early Methodists. It was a mark of who a Methodist was, to be bold. Now, because time's running out, I have to say this to you just for a moment. Do not mistake holy boldness for that kind of... Uh, aggressive attitude that some people have some people are always pushing some people are always saying we got to do this or we can't do that or whatever And they're taking the lead on that. That's not what i'm talking about with holy boldness. Holy boldness combines two things First of all, it's the holy part That your life is wholly given over to god I know, I know that's not what how the word is used there, but wholly given over to god and his righteousness That's what makes a person holy And then out of that comes a boldness and a courage. Whenever you know that you are acting on God's behalf and according to his will, his word, and his spirit, that boldness will come out through you. That's holy boldness. It's not simply uh, going out and being obnoxious and trying to get your way on everything. But it's always seeking the Lord's will, and when you know what that will is, speaking boldly in his name. I wish we had a lot more time. You know, all week I'm with this stuff, and I'm thinking about a, a, a million things. I thought about the song "Man of La Mancha" uh, uh, to dream the impossible dream. I thought, well, that's holy boldness to go anywhere. Uh, the song says, uh, "To." Uh, I, I think. Do I have? I think I put the words down somewhere. Somebody know? Somebody sing that song for us? To dream the impossible dream. You know to fight the
1: unreachable
0: fight to, uh, no, the unbeatable foe, unbeatable foe okay right. to fight the unbeatable foe to go where the brave dare not brave wander dare not to the dream. to dream the impossible dream to reach the unreachable star okay so there you go it you didn't know you're coming this morning for uh, uh, you know for you know it's like we're down at shakespeare theater right um But to begin to really think through your life, where are the times where I have not been bold in confronting Satan and his temptations in my life? Where have I just surrendered my life over to him? Am I bold enough? Do I love God enough to say, God, I surrender to you, and I will be bold and courageous in proclaiming your word and your will? Will I do that, Lord. That's what we have to ask. And I don't care. I don't care uh, how simple your life is. I don't care uh, how old you are. There is a place for holy boldness in your life. To stand up for Jesus Christ. Whether it's to Satan or to that person down the street who needs to hear boldly proclaimed that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let us pray. Holy Father, we thank you this day for your holy word that shows us so many examples of the boldness of spirit that comes when we know that you are with us. Father, we pray that in the choices that lie ahead that we will be bold in proclaiming what is right. Father, we pray that we will also, Father, in everything, exhibit the love of Jesus Christ. Because sometimes the boldest and most courageous thing that we can do is love folks who oppose us. Love folks who despitefully use us. Love folks who, Father, uh, have no good will for us. But we can stand and we can love with courage because your spirit strengthens us. Father, we pray this day that every choice we make will be made with faith and not fear and with the boldness to go forth in the name of Jesus Christ that his kingdom might be established. In his holy name we pray, and amen. As we go forth, may we, with the Apostle Paul, be able to say, I have fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. At last, the champion's wreath that is awarded for righteousness is waiting for me. The Lord, who is the righteous judge, is going to give it to me on that day. May we all go forward with that kind of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Go in his peace, and amen.